morning. Good to see you today in the Lord's house. Yes. On a nice enough Sunday morning. Oh. Had a little bit of a rain yesterday. And uh, probably going to get some snow this week. Better get your snow shovels out of your snow blowers. Make sure there's gas in a snow blower. <laughs> it's Valentine's week. Now you guys need to get your wife a card at least. Say something nice and appreciate it and tell her that you're really clinging, cleaving to her, like the Bible says. Yeah. All right. Good to see everybody here. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Thank you, Lord, for this day you've given to us. Help us to be people with a grateful heart every day, looking at your blessings and your grace and your kindness and your guidance be with us as we examine the life of a Christian today from the book of Romans. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The life of a Christian is our title of our lesson, and its studies in Romans are continuing. And our key verse is from the Old Testament. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? That's the question, 1 Chronicles 29.5. The central truth is God's grace obligates us to offer our lives in worship. It's a life of worship. It's a life of daily worship. The lesson is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. A.W. Tozer wrote, before there can be acceptable service, there must be an acceptable life. Paul E. Paul e. Holdcraft wrote, the business of the church is to produce Christ-like characters and equip for Christ-like service. Now, people may not see that you are a Christian, but maybe they do, do see something about you that's different. And uh, you can be serving others just by being gracious. Unless we perform divine service with every willing act of our life, we never perform it at all. Serving God means serving people. Someone else wrote that. We're going to sing an old song here this morning. It's called Rise Up, O Church of God. It used to be Rise Up, O Men of God, but they changed it to Rise Up, O Church of God. That's okay. Before they wrote it, Rise Up, O Men of God. Number 724. Very short hymn this morning, 724.
secret, rise up. Let people know what you believe. They want to know what you believe about something? Tell them what you believe. They asked you. Thank you, Crystal. May the Lord help us to make our uh, beliefs known in a world that is going after nonsense and celebrities. Taylor Swift, you know. You all know who she is by now. She's all over the news. Who, you know, what? Anyway. And I'm not going to give her any more advertisement this morning. Okay. Oh. Let's rise up and let the Lord, let the world know who we are, what we believe, why we believe it, how we see the world through the lens of the Bible and the truths of God's word. Praise the Lord. Let's pray for our teacher this morning. Uh, Mike's going to be teaching to us this morning. Let's pray for all of our teachers in every classroom. We'll get to our prayer time in a little bit here. Birthdays and anniversaries in the days of February 11, February 11 through 16. Mike Mason. Happy birthday, Anna Stolzfus, Travis Zimmerman. Happy birthday to each one. May they have many more. Announcements, Bus and Outreach Convention, March 5 through 7, New Columbia Revival here, March 12 through 17. <coughs> and other further in the calendar, upcoming events, April 9 through 11 is the IHC at Gatlinburg. June 1st, Mount of Blessing Cleanup Day. June 10 through 14, God's Missionary Youth Camp. June 28 to July 7th, Mount of Blessing Camp. I got a letter in the mail saying about the 75th anniversary, or 75th something like that, an anniversary of my graduation class. Well, it's not 75 years ago. But they're saying, I think, everybody in the class is 75 now. <laughs> so they want to have a little meeting in June. I don't know if I'm going or not, but anyway. That's going to be in June. That doesn't concern you, but anyway. Oh, my. Interesting things are happening. Let's remember Dave Beachel and his wife this morning. That the Lord would help and touch, strengthen, give physical strength. Amanda, let's remember Amanda this morning. Others that are among us are not well, and then there may be some among us who are grieving at this time. Let's ask the Lord to help in every situation. Anything else you want to mention for prayer this morning out loud this morning? Okay, nothing other than that. Okay. I waited three seconds at least for you to respond. That's what every teacher is supposed to do. You ask a question. All right. Let's pray for Marlon. She's going in for tests this week. All right. All right. Keep praying for her. everyone on the prayer list on the back of the bulletin. You've got plenty of names there to pray for. 
And uh, keep remembering Jacinda as she gets healed up of that arm. Yes. And, of course, uh, Sister Hoffman, Dorothy Arwen, Naomi Arwen, many names in here. Dave and Linda Beach. Oh, I already mentioned Dave. Charles, Charlie Bowser. People who have had physical needs. Keep remembering the Smiths. Remember my sister Mary. All right. Unspoken requests. A number of hands. We don't need to know names. We don't need to know circumstances. But God knows everything about every one of those needs. Let's pray for each teacher this morning. Pray for our pastors. And uh, the Lord gives us mercies this week. Let's stand together and let's just all pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to come before you in prayer. Bring our petitions to you and know you and have you as our help, Lord. Be with us throughout the day today. Be with every teacher in every classroom. Be with our pastors. Lord, <laughs> help in every aspect of our worship this morning. As we worship you with our tithes and offerings. As we worship you with the singing. As we worship you, you as we give attention to the teaching this morning, the preaching. Lord, help us to be worshipers. Help us to serve you. Help us to uh, rise up and speak your word, your name. Lord, be with the Beechels this morning. Continue to touch them and help them. Lord, they need you right now in this present time. And pray for the situation with Amanda. You know everything about that. We pray, Lord, you'll help in every upraised hand, Lord, every situation, every personality, every... Some of these requests have been long-term, probably for years. And uh, be with Sister Kohler this week with the test. Meet those needs. Make those things come out clear that there will be an understanding of all of this. We pray, oh God, you'll be with us in every aspect of our life today in our church and help in every one of these needs, every name listed on the back of the bulletin. Continue to be with Sister Stolzfus and continue to be with, continue to be with uh, Doris and all the names back there in the back of the bulletin this morning, Sister Aaron and both Sister Aaron. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. Thank you for you. Thank you for love. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God so loved the world. And if people would just think about how God loved and still loves the world. And that Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. The Holy Spirit's a comforter. People get into the thought pattern, of, oh, God's going to get after me if I do some little thing and I... Or, or God's always watching every little thing I do, and he's... No, God is a God of love. And the comforter is a comforter. Not a berater, not a... Someone to be walking around uh, being afraid of all the time. There's a certain good fear, yes, but... The comforter is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We'll have the offering at this time, and then let's give our attention to our teacher this morning.
Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you this morning on this beautiful February day. Um, not that cold. Normally it's cold during February. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I have been getting spring fever. And I think it's too early to be getting spring fever, but that's all right. Um, I'll take every bit of nice warm weather that the Lord gives us during the winter. Um, although I believe tomorrow for a little while, at least maybe a month, that nice warm weather is gone from what I understand. From about the 12th of February into the middle of March at least, we're going to have a nice cold spell, possibly some of the heaviest snow we've had all winter, hallelujah. And uh, I like snow, I, I enjoy snow, but uh, so beautiful, but so is the nice warm weather. So uh, we'll take whatever the Lord sees fit to give us and uh, take it as though that is what is best for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this day, for another day you have given us to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you. Pray that you would help us in this lesson, give us exactly what you would have for us. We'll thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Typically, when we get our new quarterlies, I look ahead and kind of glance through and see what lessons I am on to teach. If I know I'm able to be, te be here on the second uh, Sunday. And in looking through this quarterly a while back, I saw that I was on to teach Romans 12, and that made me really, really happy. Um, to be honest, there are some lessons, yes, that are more difficult than others, and I think this is maybe an easier one, and so I'll take it. I love this chapter. Um, it's a fabulous chapter. I think it's accessible. It's easier to understand, maybe. Um, than some of the others. And so we're going to dive right in here and taking a look at the life of a Christian. Romans chapter 12, after spending an, a, a lot of time and a lot of ink, a lot of writing describing man's moral dilemma, the issues of mankind and how to solve them through salvation. Paul goes through chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter talking about our sinful condition and about the remedy that God has provided for our sinful condition. That being salvation. Amen. Amen. Now Paul re moves on to give us what our response should be to all of that. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I want us to take this verse and we're just going to split it down and take it word by word because words mean things and are important. The Apostle Paul begins by saying, I beseech you. 
This is old English language. What does it mean? I'm going to put it into the Michael Mason version. Are you ready for this? By the way, that reminds me, I don't know how many of you saw Sister uh, Sherilyn Stroud. They were talking, they homeschool their children. Andrew, Andrew Stroud is a part of the IHC and uh, pastors out in Burlington, Kentucky. And uh, she said they, they, they homeschool their children and their children were lamenting over not having some of the holidays, you know, as homeschoolers. And uh, she was saying, well, what holidays do you think we ought to have that, that we don't have? And one of her, her, one of her little boys said, well, I believe we ought to have Martin Luther King James Version Day. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> I thought that was really cute. Martin Luther King James Version Day. Uh, so I'll give you the Michael Mason version. He's saying, listen up. Listen to me. This isn't just, hey, I'm writing just because. I beseech you. Yes, implore. Yes, encourage. But I think it's a stronger than just an encouragement. It's a somewhat a, if you ever, you know, if you have children, you know what I'm talking about. You tell them to do something. And they're busy on the couch with a book. I don't know, you know, whatever it is. I told them once, hello, didn't you hear me? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. And I kind of get the idea the Apostle Paul here is looking and saying, listen up. Put all the distractions down because what I'm about to say is really, really important. Then he uses this word again, therefore. Why am I saying this? What is this here for? Because of all the things that I have said before, before this chapter, we already talked about that. What has he been talking about? Man's sinful, horrible condition and the remedy for it. Look at the usage of the next word. Brethren. Who's he talking to? Ladies and gentlemen, this is not being addressed to sinners. Okay? We're shifting gears. This is not being expressed to those who are sinful in the world. This is to brothers, people who have found Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And he says, by God's mercy, I'm coming to you and presenting this to you. He says, this is what you need to do. What should you do? The word in the King James and in your lesson is present your bodies. Present is a verb. 
and it happens to be in the aorist infinitive, which means this is a single act. This is not an ongoing thing. Why is this important? Because I believe, you can disagree with me, but I believe the Apostle Paul right here is specifically talking about the work of entire sanctification. I really believe it. I believe here is one of the places where we can see that is the fact this is a single act. This is, and there are those who believe that the work of entire sanctification is a progressive work in which from the time we get saved we just progress in it all the way to the time we die and be glorified. There is a definitive time in our Christian experience where you're going to come face to face with the need to do something more than salvation. And I believe the Apostle Paul makes it clear here this is an act that needs to happen in a point of time. What is that act? He says it. It's the presentation of our bodies. This same word is actually very, very similarly used throughout the Old Testament actually in presenting sacrifices. I bring a sacrifice and I present it. But now we're doing something different. It's not an animal sacrifice we're bringing. What is it? It's ourselves. Our bodies. By the way, I think there are some practical applications within this word, present your bodies. Because the life of the Christian is more than just the spiritual realm. Okay? Sure, there's spiritual things that are happening. But ladies and gentlemen, we live in our bodies on this earth. Okay? And here the Apostle Paul makes a practical application, and he's going to talk about both of these aspects, the spiritual aspect, but also he's talking about the practical aspect of us in our bodies being presented. So he's already said it's brethren, and he tells us how we're to present or what it is that we're to present. Our bodies what? A living sacrifice. By the way, what were you when you were in your sins? According to Ephesians, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But when you came to Jesus Christ, you were made alive. We had the lesson on Romans chapter 6, and there in Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talks about our baptism and the fact that when we are baptized, we are dead in trespasses and sins, but we arise from our baptism with what? Newness of life in Christ Jesus. We're resurrected to newness of life. And now we're alive in Him. 
Isn't that interesting? Two varying things right here before we're even, well, I don't even, we're not even two sentences into this verse. And we know specifically who it is he's talking to, and there's no doubt. Who is it? It's the brethren, those who are alive unto Christ. You can't present your body a living sacrifice if you're dead in your trespasses and sins. By the way, I believe this is part of the problem within our church in the quote-unquote doctrine. I've had people tell me it doesn't work. And I look at them and go, something's wrong with what you got. I think we have people trying to present dead bodies as living sacrifices, and it doesn't work. They're not even saved is the problem. They shouldn't be seeking to be sanctified. They need to be seeking to be saved, alive unto Christ. If you're not saved, you can't present a, a, a live sacrifice, okay? Step number one, you must be saved in order to have a life of consecration, okay? Presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. By the way, the Apostle Paul says that this is going to be holy and acceptable unto God. I come back to my lesson on Romans chapter 8, and I talked to you a little bit about this, the fact that um, there's somewhat a belief that sanctification's going to do things that I don't believe it's going to do. And the fact that some of that I think probably needs to get taken care of in salvation and not entire sanctification. In other words, if you're not already living a life of obedience unto God, you don't need sanctified. You need saved. Okay? Here again, the life that we present, the body that we present, the Apostle Paul tells us what it's to be. By the way, once we get saved and we're obediently following God, <clears throat> here's another thing that I somewhat disagree with some preachers on, and here's why. They act like sanctification is this great big struggle. I don't read that here, folks. Sorry. It's not here. What does the Apostle Paul say? Quite honestly, the exact opposite. He says, which is your reasonable service. In other words, if you're truly saved, walking with God, this is the duh thing to do. It's exactly what he means. The reasonable. This is, this is the thing that makes sense. Why would you not do it if you're truly saved and walking with God? You see what I'm saying here? It's the reasonable thing to do. I don't have to sit back and go, oh, well, I don't really want to do that. You Go back and do the first works over. Yes. Sorry. 
I believe the first works will take care of some of that. And if you're truly obedient, you're going to come to a point of going, wow, this is what I want to do. What else would I do? It's my reasonable service. I shouldn't have to struggle back here going, should I be obedient or should I be disobedient? Uh Uh-uh. Smile. It's all right. Quite honestly, I think it's pretty good. Why? Because this is the Word of God. This is not me. This is the Word. Okay? This is the Apostle Paul. So if you don't like it, ask him what he said and why. He says it's the reasonable thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're saved this morning and you're obediently walking with God, then look at yourself in the mirror and say, have I presented my body a living sacrifice? And if I haven't, why not? And if I haven't, then it should be the most reasonable the thing that I do in my life. Why? All that he has done for us. Go back to the therefore. All the passages before that explain the wonderful, wonderful work of salvation in the heart and life of a person who was dead in trespasses and sins and he has made us alive unto Christ. What else would I do? It just makes sense. By the way, when we present it this way, it's not, it not only just makes sense, but it's actually inviting. Wow, this is something I actually want to do. Right? So, he keeps going on. This second verse, don't be conformed to this world. By the way, I believe the Apostle Paul is giving us some of the results of this living presentation. When we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, we're going to come into a place where we don't allow, and, and, and the, the, the literal wording here is don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Any of you ladies ever take jello and put it into a mold? I know you have. You, know, you have all these fancy different molds, whatever it is, leaves or whatever. And jello. When we heat it up, turns to liquid, doesn't it? And we can just pour it right in. And then we put it in the refrigerator and it conforms. How many within the church world are like that heated up jello? And the world's mold is here and they're just being poured right in, being conformed. By the way, today is uh, Super Bowl Sunday, I guess. I don't really pay attention to that a whole lot at all, if I'm to be honest. I, I 
didn't even know who was playing in it until sometime last week. Um, I happened to see something, I think it was last week or the week before I, I saw something about it. I wouldn't have known otherwise. Ladies and gentlemen, we better be extremely careful, and I'm going to look at you and say more than careful. The Super Bowl has no place in the life of a Christian. Period. Okay? That is allowing the jello of the world to squeeze you into its worldly mold. The immodesty that goes on, the halftime show is absolutely ungodly, unchristian, should have nothing to do with your life if you have presented your body a living sacrifice and are walking with God. Period. Yes, I said it. How do we know what the world is? Well, we find a pretty good definition in 1 John. You want to look it up, 1 John chapter 2. John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Should I repeat that? Probably so. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's going to make some people mad. Either here or online or somewhere. I, I know it. But it's God's word. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Folks, we can sum up the Super Bowl right there. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are all there. So let's have a big church Super Bowl party. How ridiculous. <clears throat> Within missions we call this syncretism, where we synchronize the things of God with the things of the world, and yea, evil. And that's exactly what has happened. By the way, this is prophesied in the Old Testament. They call evil good, and good they call evil. Pure things they call impure, and impure things they call pure. Ezekiel has perfect words for this. He prophesies it. Ladies and gentlemen, don't. Let the world squeeze you into its mold. But rather, what should we be? Instead of allowing the world to transform, squeeze us into its mold, we should be transformed. This is a really neat word. Transformed. If you go to the original Greek, it is actually metamorphosis. Have any idea what word would come from that? Take a guess. A word that you know. 
Oh my goodness, metamorphosis. Anybody remember way, way back in science class somewhere? Metamorphosis. What is it? A transformation, a change. We're going to see this coming up here before too long, aren't we? In nature, we're going to see the cocoons, and they begin metamorphosizing. Cocoons are ugly, aren't they? Really? They're ugly. But what does it change or transform or metamorphosize into? Something that is absolutely beautiful. The butterflies that come out of those cocoons are just gorgeous. And the Apostle Paul is giving this picture of instead of allowing the world to transform you into its mold or, or, or conform you, transform. Allow the Holy Spirit to metamorphosize or change, transform your mind. It's interesting because here we have, and I've already told you that I believe the second work of grace, entire sanctification, to be an act, a work of God that is done at a time. However, here is where I believe we have false preaching. And there is preaching that everything that you need, and you will not need anything else after that, when you, boom, God sanctifies you wholly. There's lots of teaching through the scripture where we grow in grace. By the way, this transformation, this word here, is an ongoing verb. Yes, it's a part of what happens to us right now, but there is a metamorphosizing, transforming process that is going to happen over a period of time. I don't know if it happened to you, but God didn't just plop, change my entire mind in one setting. He just didn't do it. There were days I wish he would have, but he didn't. It took a period of time. It takes us daily. In another portion, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, taking into captivity every thought and putting it to the obedience of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a transforming process over a period of time. And when a message is preached and you sit there and go, ooh, ouch. Oh, does that mean you need to be re-sanctified? Hello? You need to keep walking in the light. I sure hope so. More than likely, you need to come to God, and the question is, what is your heart saying? Is it saying yes, or is it saying no? I don't know about you, but since the time that I presented my body a living sacrifice, my heart has said a great big yes to God. I sit here and I hear preaching, and woo, wow, yes, Lord. Okay, 
That's, I'm, I'm going to step up. And you're going to help me to do it. I hear some, something else from the Word. <clears throat> By the way, this is important. Better be from the Word. Okay? Not just man's blabbing, but from the Word. I hear something from the Word, and, and it convicts me, and I say, ooh, wow, okay. I need to do better here. Yes, Lord. Yes. What is that? That is a metamorphosizing, a transformation of the mind so that we can prove. It's a great word, isn't it? We can be set forth as an example that which is what? Good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. It's interesting to me because we have this life of consecration, a life of complete consecrating, a sacrifice to God. By the way, we are now dead unto ourselves, but alive unto Christ. This brings on the next scriptures. Look at the next set of scriptures. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. A transformed or metamorphosized mind doesn't mean that every person who is transformed will have the same measure of faith. We're all different. Yes. I'm very grateful for that. Yes. Doesn't mean that we're going to have the same giftings, the same offices, the same things that we ought to do. Boy, am I ever thankful for that too. But a transformed mind will enable us to identify, appreciate, and properly relate to the diversity in the body. We are all different. We keep going and he says, for as we have many members in one body... And all members don't have the same office. Does the hand or can the hand look at the nose and say, I don't need you? Or the nose look at the foot and say, I don't need you, get off. That's craziness. And there's another place where the Apostle Paul talks about that very specifically, okay? But here he's just talking about varying members. We are all different within the body of Christ, but so needed together. Sure. Don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, I don't have all the gifts as that person, or I can't do what this person does. What is it that you can do and should be doing? Then the question is, are you doing that? If you're not, why not? We need all of us working together. And all of us working together, the body fitly put together, makes the body of Christ do what it's supposed to do. By the way, have you ever had a, a 
leg or a foot that didn't feel too well. And you start doing this. You know, this one's not feeling the best. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, what happens with this one? It's not feeling the best either. Why? Because this one was bearing most of the load, because this one wasn't able to work. That happens in the body of Christ when we're not all doing what we should be doing. Because if this one has to carry a heavier load because these ones over here aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, what happens? This one gets worn out. I say that to say this, it takes all of us working together. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul puts this whole conversation after Romans 12, 1 and 2. Why? These are giftings of the Holy Spirit to us. He gives us these gifts. And as we keep working along in these scriptures, we, we begin to read about them. We being many are one body in Christ, we talked about it, and everyone members of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now we're going to get into some specific giftings. Interesting. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Let's just talk about that. What is prophecy? Knowing what's going to happen next. Is that what he's meaning here? We, we sometimes think of this as having a predictive element in it. Okay? Somewhat a, you know, a, a, not a foretelling, but a seeing somewhat of, a, of the future, seeing of certain things. It's not always the case. Believe prophecy to be divinely given ability to communicate spiritual truths. Yes, there are times where, and we don't call them this, a prophet of God will feel very clearly to speak on certain things and it's truly needed. Why? Because God has told him so. I've had this happen I don't know how many times in my ministry. Things I didn't know at all. I knew nothing of and yet you come and you preach and all of a sudden you find out, uh uh-oh, I'm touching on something that uh, I didn't know I was touching on here. Remember in Mexico, one of our preachers that we called for to be an evangelist for a revival, Rudy Solis, he was preaching one night about trying to hide from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And he related a story that happened back in his own church in Guatemala. And that story was that uh, a, a preacher was preaching on hiding from the Holy Spirit. And there a man was trying to hide behind the door in his congregation. And he told this story. 
after our, our revival that day, I'll never forget it, a guy from our church came up to him and he said, you were preaching right at me. He says, what are you talking about? He says, I was back there trying to hide behind the door so you wouldn't see me. And you gave that story and talked about hiding behind the door and hiding from the Holy Spirit. You knew that. And Rudy looked at him and went, I had no idea. Guess who did? Is that the gift of prophecy? I believe so. Okay? <clears throat> the Apostle Paul continues on, doesn't he? He says, not only let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. What is ministry? What is teaching? Oh my goodness. Wow. Time has flown. We don't have time. Let's just go through these or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. God has given to each of us varying and differing gifts. Use them. God has given you the gift of helps, or the gift of mercy, or the gift of giving, the gift of exhortation, or ministry. Whatever this is, by the way, in the lesson they, they liken ministry to that of the deacon or, or those, so it's not those who are ministers or preachers, so don't get that. It's more of the lay people who are going out to minister to others. That may be as quote unquote, and I say quote unquote because it's not little, but as little as sending a card. That's huge. Minister. Ministry of prayer. You say, I can't do much. Well, you can sit in your chair and you can pray. That's huge. What is the gift that God has given you? And are you using it? He continues on, let love be without dissimulation or without hypocrisy. Let love be sincere. And if we have a heart of sincere love, then we're going to utilize the gifts that he's given to us in the way that he's given, us, given them to us. Love. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Because all of the gifts have one purpose. That is to serve the Lord and glorify Him through them. It's not uplifting ourselves. Showing I can do this, or I can do that, or I'm good at this. No. It's to serve God and glorify Him through the gifts that He's given to us. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Wow, isn't that a good one? Continuing instant in prayer. We don't have to have a specific time of prayer in church. I'm in favor of them. But he's saying we can be instant. Instant oatmeal. Hot water, pour it in and we're ready to go. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, prayer can come at any time. 
Lastly, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. By the way, it's another gift, hospitality. There's a lot of things here that the Apostle Paul, I believe, on purpose puts after giving ourselves a living sacrifice to God, the transformation of our mind, and out of that process comes the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be used for the glorifying of God and the edifying of the church. May God help us to live the life of the Christian fully glorifying God through all that he has done for us and in us and through us. God bless you.